Hey, this is Jason Hubbard, and I, along with my wife, are the lead pastors of One Life Church in Nampa, Idaho. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. We hope that it encourages you and motivates you to live for Christ. Enjoy this message. All right. All right. You guys ready for the word? Let's do this. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that it is alive and active. We thank you that it is useful for teaching, for admonishing, for correcting, for encouragement. Lord, we thank you that that your word is not one-dimensional, but it is so many parts that it plays in our life. And so we're ready now to receive from you and what you want to say today. Lord, I pray that you would anoint my words and everything that you want to speak today and that we would walk away, all of us, encouraged and strengthened in the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. amen. Hey, who's been enjoying this series? Awesome. This, this series is one that I really, really felt was going to be a, a, a pivotal one for our church. As we really learn what it means to actually relate to Jesus the way he intended us to relate to him. And that is in this relationship of the shepherd and the sheep. We've been talking about this over the last few weeks, but it's it's no accident that Jesus used this metaphor to talk to his people. Because for one, when the Bible, the audience that the Bible was written to, remember the Bible was written to a different audience, but it was written for us. Okay, so there's there's the, the difference of how we interpret scripture. But to the audience that it was written to, they were agricultural. They understood shepherding. They understood sheep. And so when he used this metaphor, they totally understood what he was saying. But we also recognize that the other side of it is, this is an incredibly beautiful metaphor because of the relationship that a shepherd has with his sheep. It's not just a driving one. Those aren't just his animals that he gets to do. No, no, no. There's actually a relationship where the shepherd is committed to caring for and tending the sheep in a very, very specific way. And the sheep know the shepherd. Remember, we talked about this and Ellie played this clip last week, which is so cool. You could have people call the sheep all day long, but if it's not the shepherd, they won't respond. But when it's the shepherd, the sheep know how to respond. And so for us, the thing that we've been learning and processing through this is as we learn what it means to be a sheep is what it means to understand and hear the voice of the shepherd above every other voice and be able to follow him in our lives. And that's been the the, the point of this whole thing. And understanding as we do that, the care that the shepherd has, the way that the shepherd cares for the sheep, the way that the father, the the way that Jesus cares for our souls the way that Jesus cares for your life is beautiful and it's specific and it's exactly what you need for right now. And so this is what we've been looking at. Last week was so awesome. Ellie did an amazing job talking about our responsibility as the sheep, what we do. And how many, how many were really impacted by the but God statements? You know, all this kind of stuff and the enemy can throw all these lies and, and try to pull all this stuff, but God, Right? but God in our life. It's amazing to see what God is doing in our life. We're gonna conclude this, this, uh, this series today and jump into something new and exciting next week, which is gonna be awesome. Really, really excited for that. Uh, just to give you a little bit of a teaser and something that I would say as you're preparing is if you wanna read the Sermon on the Mount, 
which is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. So if you're one of those people that likes to prepare and be ready, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We're going to jump into a series that we're calling Kingdom Culture. Kingdom Culture. What does it mean to live by the culture of heaven and not the culture of earth? Because those are very different. We live in the culture of earth, but we are not of the culture of earth. Okay? So we're going to dig into that. It's going to be a lot of fun, so you can prepare for that. Hey, uh, as, as, as we kind of look at the, the, the birthday and as we look at kind of this season and this place that God has us in, in time and season, it's, it's one thing for me to realize a couple of things is, is as I look back, it's identifying the faithfulness of God that's been here through the last four years. And we talked about this and what God's done. And because we've seen God's faithfulness, we know that he will continue to be faithful. We know that it is no question mark at all that God is continued to, he's going to continue to be for us. He's going to continue to guide his church. That the promise that he spoke to Peter, that he is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. We know that because that has been the case, that will continue to be the case. And we can then look forward to this next season, to this next year with incredible expectation for what God's going to do. You know, I look, at, I look at everything that God is kind of doing with our church. And I, and I really, really believe this, that he's setting us up for some really cool things. I just want to give you a couple of testimonies real quick to stir your faith for this next season that God has us going into. You know, when we stepped in at the end of July... Um, we came, and, and many of you who are from the beginning know that, that this church was an ARC church plant, is an ARC church plant. And because of that, there was an investment from ARC to plant the church. Well, the way that that works with ARC is that you reinvest. Uh, it's, it's really, you know, you're paying back the money that they loaned you in order to, uh, to plant. But really, they call it reinvesting because as you sow back into ARC, they use it to plant other churches. In fact, even today, we've got some friends, many of you know them, Stephanie and, and Trevin and Stephanie Anderson. Um, they are planting their church today. It's launching today in McKinney, Texas. How many think that's so cool? And they are planting through ARC. So it's an amazing opportunity. Well, when we came in, we had a, a, an amount of money that was due and uh, back that we were still paying back. And, and, and the reason I say this is because that takes a, a portion of our finances to be able to sew back in until you have everything reinvested back into ARC. And I'm really excited to say that in just two months, we've paid back the entirety of that amount to the tune of $19,000. <laughs> We're now completely debt-free. We have no more obligation there to, to reinvest with ARC. Now, we'll continue to be involved with ARC, obviously, because it's an incredible organization. But what that does is that frees us up now and positions us, and this is what I'm talking about. God's poising us as a church to get us ready for a level of influence that he has for us. In our city, he's like, listen, I, I need you to clean up some of these pieces because I got some really cool stuff for you. One of these things that we do in the fall, and uh, we've been talking with Nick and Kristen about, uh, about the, the Thanksgiving boxes that we do in, in around Thanksgiving. And we're going to do that again this year, but we wanted to make a couple of shifts to how we did that. And one of the things we wanted to do is, number one, do more boxes, not less. I mean, you think that's cool? 
So that was a, that was a change, right? So we did more boxes. And then uh, we wanted to actually move it from the offices in Caldwell to here in Nampa because this is the school district that we're serving. And so the idea was, let's see if the Civic Center would be open to us renting the parking lot so that we could do a drive-through for people to be able to come and receive their boxes. So I called James, who's an amazing man here, the manager of the, the Civic Center, and I talked to him. And I was like, this is what we want to do, and would you be willing to, to rent that out? And his response was no. I was like, oh, okay. Well, that was a good talk, great talk, good talk. And he goes, no, I, I, I'm not going to rent it to you. He said, because the Civic Center, the point of the Civic Center is to pour out and reach the community. So he said, no, 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 no. We want to partner with you. We're going to donate the driveway, the parking lot, and the building. Whatever you want to do in the building, hot chocolate, have something for the kids, have a warm place for people to come, whatever you want, it's all yours. Not only that, he said, oh, I have a connection with Fran's Bakery, and I'll call them and get a bunch of dinner rolls donated that you guys can be able to use and put in the boxes. Well, that's really cool. And not only that, there's more? I mean, I was like, this is amazing. He said, oh, by the way, our entire staff will come and serve and help be a part of this. And it's not just the staff of the Civic Center, but the same company oversees the Idaho Center as well. So their staff will come as well. So we will have an army of people from our church and from the community that will be here to be able to love our community. And not just that. <laughs> I feel like a used car salesman, you know? We have some friends of ours dear friends who go to River Valley and, and he works at uh, CFCS Beef, the packaging company. And they, they will from time to time donate for organizations and things like this to be able to do. And so we wanted to be able to do full turkeys in each of these boxes. And so we were just talking to them in conversation and he's like, hey, my boss has given to things like this before. So he said, I'll ask, his, I'll ask my boss. So he did. He sent an email to his boss. His boss got back and said, we will pay for half of the turkeys. So not only do we have a facility, not only do we have a driveway in the place that we want to be in, not only do we have people that are anxious to partner with us into loving our community, but we already have half of the turkeys paid for for those boxes. Here's my whole point. I think God's getting us ready for something. The other part of talking with James, which was so cool, is he said, yeah, we, we've had a little bit of a problem because they try quarterly to be able to reach out into the community, but they've had a really hard time finding opportunities to do that. I was like, well, <laughs> let me just say. <laughs> and so he said, he said, listen, anytime you guys do an outreach into the community, we're there. You do something quarterly, you do something, whatever, you want to use the building, our staff, we're there. I don't think it's an accident that we're here. I really don't. I think God has something amazing for us. And I think he's setting up all the pieces for this next year to be one of influence and outreach and impact like never before. I firmly believe 100% 
that this place that we are going to have to move to the, the, the big room or we're going to have to add a service or, or whatever because of the people that are going to be coming into our church. How? Because they've experienced and they've connected with the love of Christ through us just being the hands and feet of Jesus. And I believe that there are many hundreds and thousands of people who need to hear the love of Christ and will make decisions for him and step into a place where they can grow and have the same life that we've all experienced. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. So I'm really excited, if you can't tell. I'm really excited. And this is the thing I recognize too, pulling it back to the sheep metaphor. The shepherd knows when and how to move the sheep. And I believe as we step into a new year, as we step into a new season, that God has something new that he has for us. He has new places he wants to take us. And he knows timing. And he knows how it all works together. And we can trust the leading of the shepherd to be able to know where we're going. And I also, not only do I believe that for our church, but I believe this for you, individually. That God has something incredible for you. He knows when to call you forward. He knows how to call you forward. And he has the plan, the pasture, the green meadow, the quiet water, the valley of the shadow of death <laughs> ready for you. <laughs> Be encouraged. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have ended with that one. <laughs> You're not gonna stay there. You're not staying there. <laughs> But for you, I think as we step into a new year as a church, believe for yourself that God is leading and he's going to have incredible things. New pastures and new seasons that the, that the, the shepherd will lead the flock into are for specific points. And they do not negate previous pastures. I want you to hear me that the things that God wants to take us into do not negate anything that has been built. In fact, it only builds on what has been built. He calls us, but he knows. He knows, the shepherd knows, hey, you know what? The, the, the food's getting a little scarce. I, I, I need to move my sheep on. He knows, hey, winter's coming, and this pasture is not gonna work for winter, so I need to move my sheep now to a place where they can hunker down and be safe during the winter. He, he knows all these things, and he is a good shepherd that can discern times and seasons for his people and lead if we will follow. Today, I want to I talk about something as we go in here, but I want to I talk about it under this umbrella to just speak into with all the faith in my heart into our lives that God has a new season of refreshing and growth for one life. God has a new season of refreshing and growth. And I chose those two words really, really specifically because I believe that as the shepherd leads, he refreshes along the way. And I also know that the shepherd will lead his sheep into bigger pastures because there's more sheep to be added to the flock. Now there's, there's growing pains, you know? When, I, just, I just think about the book of Acts, 
3,000 people added to the church in one day. Can you just, just for a second, just, and, and all of the dream team just like sucks in air right now. Just imagine next Sunday, 3,000 extra people come. Just, just imagine. That'd be amazing. I think we would have to do something different with parking. But, but this, is, this is the thing. God brings the increase. And yes, there are elements of things that are growing pains, but God knows that. And he's here to bring refreshing and growth. This is what he has for us. Now, I want to look at this from the perspective of uh, the Old Testament. And I'm going to look at um, the Israelites as they're stepping into the promised land from the book of Joshua. To give us kind of an idea of what this relationship with the shepherd looks like. Because what I do know, without a shadow of a doubt, is the shepherd is leading. The question is if we will follow. Pretty simple, right? Because if we don't follow the shepherd, (laughs) you're isolated and in danger of attack. You're also potentially left in a place that's going to run out of food. And then what? Right? The shepherd is leading because he knows what's best. Will we follow him and trust his lead? So here's, here's this whole dynamic, is the key to this new season, the key of stepping into this new season, is that life is a cooperation between God and us. It is a cooperation between God and us. And this is what's very, very important. He is the shepherd who leads and prepares the way for the flock, and we are the sheep that have the choice to follow the shepherd. God has his part and we have our part. Does that mean I have to work for something? No, but you do have to work. There is a part that we play. Okay, this is what this means. You have been chosen, gifted, empowered, set apart. You have been saved sanctified, forgiven. Like, those things have been done. How many are thankful? Those things are a done deal. But we have a part of walking those things out. Philippians 2 says this. It says, Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have have always obeyed, so now, not only in my, my presence, but even in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It doesn't say you work for your salvation. I just want to make that really, really clear. <laughs> but there is something that your life will do as a result of the salvation that you've experienced. And this is the cooperation effort here, is that God has done everything. But then he looks to us to do a part that he's asked us to do. As you look at the Israelites, this is how we're gonna lay this out here. And I'm gonna read a chunk of scripture here from Joshua. These are not on the slides, so you can just put your listening ears on and I will try not to botch it. But I wanna read the first little bit of Joshua here to kind of frame in this idea of this cooperation that we have. Verse one, after the death Of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over 
the Jordan, to the land I'm giving the Israelites. I've given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will be from the wilderness in Lebanon to the great river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and west of the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you. Ooh, I love that. Just as I was with Moses, I will not leave you or abandon you. Just as I was beset, I will not leave you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous. For you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers and give them as an inheritance. Above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that it will, you will have success wherever you go. The book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. I think I get the point. We're supposed to be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell people, get provisions ready for yourselves. For within three days, you will be crossing the Jordan to go in and take the possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you to inherit. And just Joshua said to the Reubenites and the Gadites and half the tribe of Manasseh, remember what Moses, the Lord's servant, commanded you when he said, the Lord your God will give you rest and he will give you this land. Two key words in here that we're going to unpack here for just the last few minutes. These words are the words of inheritance and possession. Inheritance and possession. We see really, really clearly laid out, especially in verse 11 here, that you're going to go in and take possession of the land that the Lord your God has given you to inherit. The first whole chunk of scripture that I read there was all about the things that God did, the promises God made, the way in the desert that God made, the things that the, the, the Israelites thought were impossibilities that God did. It was this whole thing of recalling, hey, Joshua, remember everything I've done. Oh, and by the way, there's a promise that's going to be fulfilled right here in this moment. And I'm going to give it to you as your inheritance for you to step in and possess. Deuteronomy 15 says it this way. There will be no poor among you, however, because the Lord is certain to bless you in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess as an inheritance. Possess an inheritance. This is what these mean. Inheritance. Inheritance means this. It's the legal right to possess because the owner has given it to you. Okay, I want you to think about your life for a second. I want you to think about the promises that God has given to your life. I want you to think about the promises that God has made to this church. I want you to think about the things that God spoke of the church and spoke about you in scripture that all are completely true. You have a legal right to possess the promises of God because the owner has given it to you. They're, they're your promises. The promises God has made you are yours. 
and you can possess them. So inheritance, we don't have anything to do with inheritance. This is all God's part. As we look at our lives, as we look as a a church, as we look to next seasons, everything that God promises, he does all of that work. We don't have anything to do with inheritance. It's given freely. Now, the part we play, possession. This is what possession means. To take control of land with the authority of the rightful owner. God has prepared, and we now step into that by faith to possess the promises that he's made. In your own life, though, if you're thinking, I've I've thought I've possessed the promises that God's made of healing and provision and miracles taking place. Well, don't, don't stop. Continue to step forward in faith because even though you haven't seen the fulfillment of a promise doesn't mean that the promise will not be fulfilled. It just means it's a timing issue. And God's going to do it in the way that God sees best. But for us to continue to step in and to possess the land, stepping into a new promised land or a new pasture or a new season requires both inheritance and possession. We can't do God's part. (laughs) Would everybody agree with that? There's no way for us to do what God has done. Only he can do that. But he, but we can't also expect him to do the part that he's asked us to do. We have a part that we are to play in this whole story of what he's doing. So the first thing in here is that God has promised and provided for our inheritance. God has promised and provided for our inheritance. Everything begins with God. None of it begins with the part that we play. It all begins with the part that God plays. He's promised He's provided, he's made a way, and we can rest in that fact that we did nothing to earn that. Salvation, think about salvation. We did nothing to earn salvation, and yet we were given it freely. It's it's, it's incredible. The first thing, the first element of this as we look into the Israelites is that God promised the land. God promised the land. As the Israelites prepared to enter the land, God reminds Joshua of the inheritance that he already had promised them. And this is in verse three. I have given you every place that the sole of your foot treads. I've already given it to you. It's already yours. The promise of a land and the promise of everything that's gonna happen is already yours. I've already said it, so it's already gonna take place. It's the same thing that God was telling Abraham in Genesis 12 when it says this, that the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an offering where the Lord had appeared to him. So my question is this, those promises God's made, what are those promises in your life? What are those things that God has promised and prepared for? And have you let go of those promises? Maybe it's time as we step into a new year as a church, maybe it's time for you to also say, I'm gonna pick up those promises again. And by faith, I'm going to possess them. I'm going to believe that there will be salvation for my family. I am going to believe that the prodigal is going to return. 
I am going to believe that the health thing that I've been facing forever is going to be healed in Jesus' name. And if we stand up in faith, I'm going to believe that my marriage that's been on the rocks forever and that I don't know how it's going to make another year, by faith, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to possess what God has promised me. Freedom in your life. If there's an area where the enemy has kept you trapped, it's to stand up and say, I am going to receive what God has promised in the areas of freedom in my life. It's believing those things. What are those things? What are those things that you're believing for? And are you believing for anything? If not, my encouragement to you would be to believe again. To believe again. To put your faith in the shepherd who leads and guides in his way and at his pace. Believe again. But, but I've seen, man, I've been... Believing for this for so many years. Yes, believe again. But it doesn't make sense because I haven't seen, yes, I know, I know. Believe again. Can I tell you something about the distance between Genesis 12 and Joshua 1? 600 years. The Israelites were now stepping into the fulfillment of a promise that it made 600 years ago. Well, there's things that I'm believing for that I don't think I've been believing for 600 years for. God will always come through. And he always keeps his promise. Not only did he promise, but he also prepared the land. This is really cool. This is where I start to get goosebumps. Because it's one thing for God to say, hey, by the way, I'm promising this land to you. It might take 600 years, but it's yours. And you can sit there and be like, yeah, yeah, God, go you. It's one thing to actually hear him when he's promising something. It's another thing to understand that when God promised, he prepared for the promise to take place. Get this. Here we go. Exodus 33 says, the Lord spoke to Moses. Get up from here, you and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt, to the land I promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your offspring, and then I will send an angel ahead of you and will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hethites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Not only did he promise, but he said, oh, by the way, I'm sending an angel to actually prepare it for you. Okay, moving on to Numbers 33, God speaking again. You must drive out all the inhabitants of the land before you, destroy all their stone images and cast images, and demolish all the high places. You are to take possession of the land and settle in it. Why? Because I have given it to you as a land to possess. And then finally, Deuteronomy 7. When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are about to enter and occupy, get this, he will clear away many nations ahead of you. And then he names all the ites. These seven nations are greater and more numerous than you. Here's the incredible thing. God makes a promise and then God does all the heavy lifting to make sure that the promise is kept. Okay, in your life, 
God's promised, and he does all the heavy lifting to make sure that that promise is fulfilled. It's not an empty promise. It's a promise that's backed with action to where he actually has the power to not only say he'll do what he'll do, but actually do what he says he will do. Now, I don't know about that, but that gets my faith a whole lot more stirred. As I look through the Old Testament, and as I look through the faithfulness of God all the way through, and even into the New Testament with the faithfulness of sending Jesus and the, the prophecies that were fulfilled in the coming of Jesus, and as I look at all of this, and I look at everything that God has spoken, and everything then that he says he will do, I go, he's going to do it because he did it all the other times. This is, this is what stirs our faith, to be able to believe that God has Incredible things for us. So what's our responsibility? Number three, we must possess the land that God has promised. We have the right to the land, but we still have work to do. We still have things that God has called us to do. And the argument sometimes is, you know, well, in Christ, there's, there's rest. In Christ, there's, there's peace. yes. For your soul. But, 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 but if I just, if I, no. I mean, crying out loud, he created a beautiful garden and what did he do? He stuck Adam and Eve there and said, hey, tend the garden. Now he didn't have goat heads, but. <laughs> but what did he say? You have work to do. I've given this beautiful land to you, but you have a responsibility. Work is not bad. I think for us as a church to understand this, that what God has called us to and what God is preparing us for and where God is taking us to, it is not going to be us just sitting on a lawn chair saying, go God. Now we do say, go God, but we also have the part that he's put in our hands to steward. So the question is, how are we stewarding the life he's given us? How are we stewarding the church he's given us? And how are we stewarding the lives of the people that he is going to call to come in here? We, we have things to do. We, we, like that, that's just natural, and there's nothing wrong with it. But we have to understand what this relationship looks like. We're not supposed to do God's part. He's not going to do our part. So we need to understand what this relationship looks like so that we can be able to follow him and step in to the things that he has. Accurately understanding Kingdom work is a huge key for us in living out our lives. We understand what the kingdom is up to and what God's doing. Man, it just, it, it changes our perspective on so many different things. Here's what I will say is that there's elements of our life that we won't fully experience until we actually step in to receive the promises of God. Now, there are things that will happen in your life that's just God doing incredible things, and that's what he does. But there's things where we also have to step in and to possess the land. Now, what does this look like? I want to give you some really practical things as we end. What is possession of this new season, this new land, this new place that God is taking us? What does this look like? Possession looks like prayer for the lost in our city, state, nation, and world. Prayer is the most powerful thing that we can do. Praying for revival praying for God to interact with people's lives. Possession looks like this. It's engaging with someone to lead them to Christ, initiating a conversation that maybe we haven't had before.
Possession looks like this, being the parent that you're designed to be in praying for and leading your kids to Christ. Not behavior modification, but transformation in your kids. Possession looks like this, doing the hard work in your marriage. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) It looks like this, possessing by God's spirit a level of purity and holiness that he's already paid the price for. Possession looks like this, stepping out of apathy and contending for a close and intimate relationship with the Lord, not settling for where you are now. Believe there's more. Believe that your relationship with him has whole new dynamics that you've never even experienced with him. Possess those things. Possessing God's thoughts to us, taking every thought captive and making it submit to the word of God. This is a big thing in our thought life, is actually saying, you know what? The work I'm going to do is I'm going to take those thoughts. I'm not going to let them run rampant in my mind. I'm going to take them and I'm going to submit them to the word of God. And if the word of God disagrees with that thought, then I am not going to have that thought. But that takes work. Because how many of you ever get stuck in your thoughts? Don't raise your hand. I mean, you don't have to raise your hand. I'll raise it for all of us. (laughs) What does it look like? Possession. Possessing your freedom from addiction, idolatry, a lifestyle of concessions, bondage of fear and anxiety through accountability to other people. Sometimes what God's calling you into is saying, you know what, in order for you to possess what I have for you, the blessing, the freedom, everything, it's going to take you actually getting into relationship. And sometimes that's really hard to do. You mean I got to get into what? A, a, a small group where they like ask me stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I told you it's hard work. There's nothing easy about it. But remember, God has already done his part. He's gone before you. He's paid for your freedom. He's paid for your wholeness. He is providing a way in the desert for you. And there is nothing that can get you off of that. So remember that. And then also remember what he has for us. So the final thing after we just process here, God's part in our part. Does that make sense what I'm, what I'm saying here? Do, do, do you hear, hear what I'm not saying, right? Like I'm not saying, oh yeah, everyone just work hard because that's what you need to do. No, no, no. I'm saying we respond to what God is saying and leading us into what we are supposed to do, right? Um, and, and, and here's the deal. This is where Matthew 6 comes in because Matthew 6 says, come to me, all of you who are burdened and, and, and heavy burden, and, and I will give you rest. Put your yoke on me. Give me your burdens. Take on my yoke. I'm paraphrasing like crazy because I am. Um, take on my yoke and it will be light, right? This is the idea is that when we come and we cast our burdens on him, the burdens of trying to like live our lives, the, pers- the, the burdens of trying to have it all perfect, all this kind of stuff. When we give and we give those things, we yoke up with Christ, which means we still have a field to plow, but we're doing it with Christ and the strength of Christ. And we still move forward in that yoke. We still move forward in that plow, but it's not us carrying all the weight that we're, supposed, that we're not supposed to, Okay. Now I just added an entirely different metaphor. So there you go. We got sheep, we got the Old Testament, and now you're being yoked to Christ. Come back next week and I'll give you another one and then you won't know what to do with that. Okay. But that's where, the, that's where this relationship comes in 
with Christ. So the final thing, and then I'm going to close. The final thing, get ready to move. Get ready to move. God's provided. He's given an inheritance to you that is better than anything you can ever possibly imagine or think. But he's calling you to take possession of what he's promised you. And if we're going to do that, we need to get ready to move. It's one thing to say that we're ready to do our part. It's another thing to do our part. I can say a lot of stuff. But is my life actually moved to action? Back to Joshua, verse 10. Then Joshua commanded the officer in three days, you're going to cross the Jordan and take possession of the land your God is giving you to inherit. The shepherd is ready to lead you into a new season. Are you poised to follow? So as we conclude here, um, I just want to I just want to simply offer this. Um, if you're here and you're listening, and maybe you're far from God, maybe maybe the idea of a relationship with God is like far out, like, and this is in the room or online. And 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 I talk about this like inheritance possession thing, and you're like, that's okay, cool, great. The part that I want to just reiterate right to you right now, if you're in a place and you're, you're searching for something and you hear the words of my mouth, I want you to know that there's a God who loves you. And because he loved you, he sent his son to do what we could never do, which was to pay for the penalty of our sin, which is death. This is what the Bible says. That we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and we deserve death. But the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. God loved you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for you. And when he died on the cross, he took all of your sin, all of your shame, all of your guilt, and he forgave it. It was gone. Everything, past, present, future, everything is taken on the shoulders of Christ when he died. And when he rose again, all of that stuff was conquered, was wiped out, and allowed you to be able to step into a relationship with God. If you're here this morning and, and you're far from God, trying to figure this whole thing out, I want you to just hear from me. You have an inheritance in Christ, the forgiveness of your sins. Just start there. But I'm, what am I supposed to do? Just start with the fact of believing and receiving what God has done for you. And I'm gonna, I wanna lead you in a prayer because the Bible says that you begin a relationship with Christ by believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth. And so I want you to, to do that today. And if you are far from God, maybe you're searching from God, I wanna give you the opportunity to pray that prayer. We're all gonna pray this together as a family. But I want you to be able to pray this prayer with faith to say, yep, I'm grabbing a hold of that today. That inheritance of forgiveness, of, of no sin, of no shame, of no death, of eternal life, that sounds pretty good. I want to grab a hold of that today. And I want you to pray this prayer and believe it in your heart. There's going to be a transformation in your life, the beginning of a relationship with Christ. So let's do this. Can we all bow our heads together? And we're going to pray this together, whether you're in the room or online. 
And just repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I thank you for the life that you promised. This incredible inheritance. And today, I receive that gift. I ask you to wash away my sins, to be the Lord of my life, that I could live for you, follow you, and have a relationship with you. I call on you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on. If you prayed that prayer this morning for the first time, I just want to say, welcome home. What an incredible thing to begin a relationship with the creator of the universe, who is so much, so much amazing for you. Um, can we do this? Can we put our hands together for everybody who asked Jesus in your heart, both here in, in the room and online?